Romans chapter 12. You guys have your Bibles. Romans chapter 12. Verse 9 is where we're going to start today. Romans 12, verse 9. As we continue the series in Romans 12, the series called Renewal, and really that's the theme for this year, just renewal across the board. But one day, years ago, I got home and was sifting through the mail, and I came across an envelope, an envelope that looked different. I'd never seen one quite like this envelope. And so I opened it up, and it looked like very personally written out to me and everything, and I opened it up, and there before me, in my hands, I could not believe it. It was a check for one million dollars. There in my hands, a check for one million dollars written out to me. I didn't ask the why and the questions around that check at first, but immediately my my stomach just began to turn. My heart almost wanted to leap up into my throat. My fingers got all clammy. I mean, this was a $1 million check written out to me. But before I could go and proclaim it to my family and my friends and to the world that I was now officially a millionaire, I began to look at the fine print. And I then began to study the check. And it became very evident that some things are just too good to be true. Because the fine print said something like this. This, implying the $1 million, and more could be yours if dot, dot, dot. And then I saw how inauthentic this check was. I didn't even have my name spelled right. And I just began to look at it and said, this is wrong. And then I began to think of, you know, what good is a million dollar check in your hands right there if it ain't real? What good is a million dollar check right there in your hands if it ain't real? I'll tell you the answer to that. It's no good. It's useless. It's meaningless. And what do we call mail-ins like that? Because you've gotten something like that. Maybe it's $10,000, or maybe it says you've won this prize, or maybe you've gotten an email like this. What do you call it? You call it, oh, that's just another, another piece of junk mail. Or, if you really thought about it, you might say to yourself or to others, oh, it's just a scam. And what do we mean by that? What do we mean by that word scam? What do we mean by us holding that check in our hands that's meaningless? What we mean by that is that it's someone trying to pass off to you something that is real when in fact it's not. Something that is sincere when in fact it's insincere. Something that is authentic when in fact it's inauthentic. Someone who is a fraud behind it only running a scam. So last week in Romans 12, we looked at spiritual gifts. And we saw that if you're in Christ, then you are one member within one body designed by God to serve that body using at least one spiritual gift in which God has graciously given to you. You have a gift. If you're in Christ, you have a spiritual gift. 
God has given you one, and you're meant to use that gift well and to serve the church. Of course, we made available this spiritual gifts survey test this week. Um, It's on our website. If you haven't taken it yet, fpcenid.com. It's also on our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram. We sent it out in the text alert system. Um, We also, you can come by or call us if you still haven't figured it out or how to get on it and want to take it. We'll set you up. We'll walk you through it. And we also encourage you, if you have taken it or when you take it, to submit your results to us, to the church office. We're actually collecting them so we can come find you. No, we're collecting these (laughs) spiritual gifts and so we can see, hey, what, what are the spiritual gifts represented here in our church and are they being utilized to serve this church? But also encourage you to share it with Sunday school classes, Sunday school teachers, your family, uh, friends even. I don't know, but use it as a tool to begin to explore your spiritual gift. But we encourage you to turn those in. But here's the question. What good is our service without love? I'll tell you the answer. It's no good. It's meaningless. As Paul said very famously in 1 Corinthians 13 in the love passage, if I speak in the tongues of men, or of angels even, but I don't have love, then I'm only just a resounding gong or this clanging cymbal. I'm just a really, really annoying person. And if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but I don't have love, then I'm absolutely nothing. And if I give all that I possess to the poor, and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I don't have love, then I gain absolutely nothing. What Paul is saying is that without love, no matter the spiritual gift, I have nothing, I am nothing, I gain nothing without love. Service without love does is absolutely no good, like a million dollar check right there in your hands. That's meaningless, a fake. And love that is fake. Love that is insincere. Love that is inauthentic. is just a scam. Today I want us to see this main point that we are called to serve in love. We are called to serve in love. And we quoted this verse last week, Paul in Galatians 5.13. He said, listen, you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. You've been called to live in freedom. But don't use your freedom to satisfy or to gratify your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. So we are called to serve in love. But as we're about to see in these verses in Romans 12, that love had better be authentic. It better be passionate. And it better be humble. In other words, if our service is to mean anything, then we must serve in love. And we must love authentically, passionately, and humbly. So look at Romans chapter 12, verse 9. And we're going to read through verse 13. And this is what Paul writes. He said, love must be sincere. Remember, we've just been talking about spiritual gifts, and now we're now talking directly about love. And the way that he goes in 1 Corinthians 12, talking about spiritual gifts and the human body and comparing all that to then talking about love. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. 
cling to what is good. Verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Remember as he saw, we read last week that we belong to each other now. So honor one another above yourselves. Verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Verse 13, Share with the Lord's people who are in need and continually practice hospitality. So again, just a short recap to where we've been in Romans 12. Paul has urged us to give our entire lives to Christ as a living sacrifice, he says. We're to live like Christ, think like Christ, speak like Christ, act like Christ, react like Christ, even when you see balloons floating in the sky. As a new creation in Jesus, we must be transformed in everything by the renewal of our minds. And that renewal starts with how we think about ourselves. We must not think too highly of ourselves, Paul says, because remember, as we saw that week, self-exaltation leads to humiliation. And this is important because for Paul, the internal determines the external, meaning how we think will determine how we act. So before we can get into spiritual gifts, before we can get into authentic, loving community, there must come renewal, there must come internal transformation, the renewal of our minds, and that starts with how we think about ourselves. How we think about ourselves. And in verse 3, Paul tells us how we ought not to think about ourselves, We must not think too highly of ourselves. But then he also says how we ought to think about ourselves. We ought to think, he says, with sensible reasoning, with sober judgment. In other words, we must think like John the Baptist. As Jesus said, if anybody born of a woman, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. But John the Baptist said, I must decrease. He must increase. It doesn't matter my position, my gifts. It doesn't matter who I am. I must decrease. He must increase. I'm just happy to stand next to him to be even included in his body of believers. We must think like John the Baptist. We must think like Jesus, Paul would argue elsewhere, who never used his God card to self-elevate himself over another human being. Instead, he served and laid down his life for others. We ought to think like that. And if we think like that, then it will change how we act. Specifically, how we act towards one another. So after Paul dealt with the internal, he then focuses attention on the external. And we saw this last week, how he relates the church to a human body. He reveals that all of us are like individual members of one human body, so to speak. And that body is Christ. We belong to each other, and we all have these gifts, and we're to use them. We're to use them well. Paul's point is this. Think about the human body. And all the necessary individual parts of the human body, seen or unseen, that are necessary for the human body to be alive in general, but also to be healthy and growing and successful. Think about that and then apply it to the church. Apply it to the church. And here in verses 9 through 13, he lays out the attitude 
which ought to then characterize our service towards one another. In other words, the internal, externally acted out in love. So it begins with how we think, the internal, but then that determines the external, how we act. And what we just read, verses 9 through 13, lays out that mindset or how that, what that looks like acted out. And it begins with love. One person said the whole of the believer's conduct, everything that it ultimately boils down to for us in Christ, should be bathed in love. Everything we do should be bathed in love. Love is the rubric, he says, for the whole of the Christian life. He points out that in Galatians 5.22, when Paul is listing off the, the, the fruits of the Spirit, that love is the first thing listed. Just like as he transitions out of this service passage of spiritual gifts, he then talks about love, just like he did, again, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. And this man, quoting somebody else, said, listen, that love is listed first in that Galatians passage. That love is listed first does not mean that it is only first in a series of comparable qualities. No, no, no. But that it includes the rest in itself. If love be authentic, all that to which Paul urges the church will follow. Love and everything else will take care of itself. Love is like the rebar in concrete. Without it, there is no structure, there's no form, there's no health, there's no longevity. Or, sticking with the human body analogy that Paul has already laid out for us, love is like the circulatory system in your physical body that's working right now. You say, well, what is the circulatory system? Well, basically it comes down to this. Your heart and blood vessels make up this system. And their function is to move blood throughout your body. This blood circulates and it keeps organs, muscles, and tissues healthy and working to keep you alive. The circulatory system also helps your body get rid of waste products like carbon dioxide and other chemical byproducts from your organs. Without this system in place, you have no life in you, you will die. And John would argue this in 1 John, without love in you, you have no life in you. Love is crucial and necessary. Without it, our service, as Paul would argue, is meaningless. So again, these verses that we just read can be summed up by saying we must serve in love, and that love must be authentic, passionate, humble. We must serve in love, and we must love authentically, passionately, and humbly. But let's start with the first one, authentically. Verse 9 through 10, Paul says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. In essence, your love for each other, it better be real, authentic, but it better be pure full of integrity, and it had better be real. It's very similar to what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.5. He said, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. 
But in Romans 12, 9, and 10, Paul uses two different words for the word love. He uses these, and we've heard these words before, some of us, agape, and another word that its root is philia. Now, you and I in the English language, we use love to describe different kinds of love, different kinds of emotions and feelings and thoughts and actions. I might say, I love pizza. I love a nice walk along the beach. I love my wife. I love the Dallas Cowboys. Surely, love does not mean the same in all of those contexts. It better not be mean the same, all right? It better not be. The Greeks could use a different word for love to describe the type of love it is. Agape, in essence, means unconditional love, a love without condition. It's almost always used to describe the love of God, the love that he has towards us. But then Paul, in verse 10, when he says, be devoted to one another in love, he uses a word that comes from this root word, philia. And this is where we get our word, Philadelphia, which is the city of brotherly love, right? This comes from this word, philia. What do we mean by that? It's a love that, that shared between, in essence, two strong bound brothers who love each other or two inseparable kinds of friends. So what Paul is saying is this love that I'm talking about is not just an idea. It's not a theory you talk about in classrooms. It's a self-giving kind of love, a pure and real love, full of integrity, with right motive. It's intentional. It's actual. It's real love in action. It's real love displayed. Our service must be done in love, and that love must be without condition and the same kind of love between two siblings or two inseparable friends, a a deep binding kind of love. The kind of love you see with Jonathan and David in the Old Testament. I will do anything for you. I will even risk all of it for you. That kind of love. It cannot be artificial. That word that he's for sincere there, it literally means it cannot It must be without hypocrisy. It must be a kind of love without a mask. A kind of love that is vulnerable and open and transparent and close and sincere. All in all, it cannot be a knockoff. If you're telling me that what you just put in front of me is authentic homemade Italian, then I had better not find out that you got it from a box in the freezer section at Walmart. It had better be real. Think of this in the art world, for example. There's a woman by the name of Tatiana Khan. She's an L.A.-based art dealer who owns a gallery there in L.A. She reportedly told a friend of hers, this is a while back, a friend of hers who was an artist, that a famous Picasso painting had been stolen from her gallery. And so she paid her art friend $1,000 to recreate the Picasso work. Khan then allegedly turned around and sold the artificial or the duplicated piece for an astounding $2 million to a naive buyer. wasn't me. A buyer who did not know that the painting was a knockoff, a fake, inauthentic. And in the art world, this is a big deal. It's a huge deal. Presenting a fake as if it were real 
will cost you. It can land you in prison, but it can also cost millions. Another example happened in 2018. There was a guest supervisor who was working on a grand reopening of an art museum in France. And as he was going about the museum, he noticed that a work claiming to be by a certain artist depicted buildings constructed after that artist's death in 1922. Meaning what he was looking at was a fake piece of art. Well, this began a long investigation. And they eventually confirmed that the painting was not the only fake painting in this museum. In fact, they found that 82 of the 140 works of art in that museum were not real. And come to find out, this was a state-owned museum that had apparently bought many of the paintings for somewhere around $183,000 to $200,000 apiece for them. The city's mayor called the discovery a catastrophe. You and I might just call it a great scam led by a great con artist. And make no mistake, in many churches today, we've got a lot of con artists scamming the masses with an artificial kind of love. Presenting a love that is a knockoff, inauthentic, covered with a mask. What Paul is saying here to all believers is that, listen, we better serve one another, and we better serve one another without masks. Let it be real. Let it be sincere. Let it be a love in action, a deep, binding kind of love. So let us serve in love, and we must love authentically, but we also must love passionately. In verses 11 and 12, Paul says things like, Never be lacking in zeal, but continually keep your spiritual fervor. Serving, remember, ultimately, the Lord. Verse 12, be joyful, be patient, be faithful. Really the idea here is we must love passionately and that that passion must be continual and consistent. The word that Paul uses for fervor literally means to boil over. It's the picture of kids on Christmas morning who've waited for weeks for this moment to open up these presents. And they're ready to tear into those packages, their joy and excitement, them just bouncing up and down. Parents, still trying to get their coffee in, are saying to one another, man, they're just ready to boil over. Maybe we should let them open the presents. Let your love be so full of zeal and fervor. Let it be so ready to boil over. Let your passion and joy Your gladness, as we were saying earlier. Let it be such an estate that it's ready to boil over. Just an anticipation to meet with each other, to gather with each other, to pray with each other, to serve each other. And let that passion or zeal be consistent. Let it continue. He says, keep your spiritual fervor. It's the same idea when the scriptures say this in Hebrews 13.1. Let your brotherly love continue. Let that fervor continue. Or as Peter said in 1 Peter 1.22, he said, listen, love one another earnestly. It's the same kind of word here that Paul uses when he says to keep. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. 
These words being used, and the one that Paul uses, means to don't shrink away from your passion to serve each other. Don't fall away. Continue to stretch that zeal out. Continue to stretch that love, that passion towards each other out till death do us part. Another picture here is our our kids will sometimes get these, uh, they call it a toy, I call it a nightmare. Um, They will get putty in a can. And they'll open it when we get home or sometimes in the car. And they will pull that putty out, which is like a mix between Play-Doh and gum, okay? And they begin to what? They begin to extend it out, to stretch it out. Their goal is to see how far they can stretch it out. Again, it's a nightmare. Um, That's the picture, though. This is what Paul is saying. Let your joy, your excitement, your passion, your gladness, let your love just keep going and going and going. Let it be stretched out. And let it be consistent. Consistency means doing the same thing just over and over again. Meet together, serve together, pray together, love each other. No matter the circumstances, be joyful, energetic, passionate, be patient and faithful, always praying. Remember to serve each other as to the Lord. So we must serve in love, we must love authentically, we must love passionately, and we must love humbly. Verse 9 and verse 13 really capture this. Verse 9, he says, honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. Verse 13, he says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. That the image is humbleness. Love humbly. Really the best example of this kind of love is Jesus, who is love. And specifically in John 13, you remember the upper room? We've, we've looked at the scene before. And Jesus is there. This is soon to be his betrayal, night of his arrest, so on and so forth. And there he is in the upper room, and he stands up, and he takes off his outer garments, and he literally takes the form of a slave. And he then proceeds to wash his disciples' nasty, dirty feet. One after another, after another, washing their feet. And then afterwards, he puts his outer garments back on and resumes his place. It's such a huge picture in this moment of what he did on a much more cosmic level. When he left the Father and became one of us, the Word become flesh took the form of a slave just by becoming one of us and then truly laid down his life for us. But then what? He resumed his place at the right hand of the Father. And after that, Jesus says, listen, I've given you an example. This is how you're to live. If this does not describe or characterize your gathering, then you must not be meeting in my name. He would literally say, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. Specific kind of love, just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Honor each other, 
Paul says, above yourselves. Share, open up, give, humble yourselves. Live as Christ lived. For even the Son of Man, Jesus said, came not to be served, but to serve, to lay down his life for others as a ransom. That's what it means to serve in love. To serve authentically, passionately, humbly. Paul would later say, what I believe elaborating on this scene in John 13, is don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Instead, be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. He said it again there in Philippians 2. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others as well. And he says this in Galatians 6.3. I love the NLT's translation of this. And if you think that you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. If you think that you're too higher up to say, well, I don't need to serve that person. I don't need to lay down my life for that person. He says, you're only fooling yourself because you're not that important. And if Christ, God incarnate, came to lay down his life for sinners, to came to serve, not to be served, then we ought to do the same. So, as Paul would later say in Galatians, let's not get tired of doing good, especially to those in the family of faith. Listen, the world loves in pretense. The world loves hypocritically. The world loves when it really boils down to only benefiting themselves. The world's love is fickle. It comes and goes. It's hardly consistent, and it hardly is drawn out. And the world's love is full of pride and arrogance. I do me. I live for me. I'm looking out for myself and my own interest. You and I are called to be different. To serve in love. A kind of love, not like the world's, but a kind of love that only comes from being born again. Not of the will of man, but of the will of God in the Spirit. We're to serve in love just as Christ served in love. And Jesus loved authentically, passionately, and humbly. And so what Paul is basically in essence saying is you have a spiritual gift, use it. And use it in love. Be different. There was a, a woman who was an artist. And she had a very important flight that she could not miss. She had, a, she had things to attend to for a week elsewhere away from home. And she had this flight and, and she comes there and she had all her, her paints and all of her art supplies and everything. But she made a mistake. Before she got to the airport, before she was going through security, she forgot to check Again, what are the requirements for liquids in a carry-on baggage, which is all she had. So when she hit security checkpoint, she had all this stuff, and she could not miss this flight. She had to make this flight, but she couldn't take that stuff on board. And this has happened to me before. Maybe it's happened to you. They then confiscated the stuff, never to be seen again. Who knows where it goes? 
She said when she returned a week later, at that same airport, there was this airport official just there waiting for her to get off the plane. And there in his hands were all her art supplies and everything she needed. Come to find out, this man had picked up on her story and everything in her situation. And not only had he kept her supplies there at that airport, but he looked up her name. Kind of creepy, I know. But he looked up her name, the date in which she was returning home, and the time and the flight number and everything that she was returning home so that he could be there to greet her as she got home. That man was humble, intentional, proactive, on putting another person above and before himself. And it shook this woman's life to the point where she's, in, just in retelling, she says, man, that is different. This is Paul's point. Whatever your gift is, teaching, if it's mercy, if it's giving, if it's, if it's administration or leadership, it doesn't matter what your gift is. Be different. Serve in love. And let that love be authentic, passionate, and humble to the glory of God. With heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to invite Dakota and the team forward. For some of us in this room, I might have hit a nerve, or the Spirit might have hit a nerve, when I said that there's some people in churches who are con artists, scamming others with an artificial kind of love. The, the love we're talking about comes only in Christ, through Christ, because of Christ, from Christ. It only comes by possessing the Holy Spirit of God in you. And so you can fake it, you can try it, you can wear that mask for many years and decades even. But it really comes down to, do you have the Spirit of God in you? And John would literally argue, man, if you don't have the love of God in you, then you do not belong to him. Let today be the day of your salvation. Repent and believe. He's calling you. But then there's other, others of us, man, we've been holding on to our spiritual gift. He's calling us to, to step out into the light and use that gift and to use it well. But then there's others of us, he's calling us to, to use that gift, keep using that gift, but to use it in love. Authentically, passionately, humbly. Whatever he's calling you to do today, be obedient to that calling. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me, with us. I'm going to pray, and even as I pray, you can come forward. You can pray these steps. You can come down here, talk with me. I'm going to be down here if you need to talk about salvation, baptism, church membership. Well, what it looks like to, to serve the spiritual gifts, whatever it is that's on your heart, I'll be down here. But be obedient to the Spirit's calling on your heart. Even as I pray, you come. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the church, a group of people, multiple generations, multi-ethnic, multi-gifted, one in Christ. We are individual members who belong to each other. Let us use our spiritual gifts in which you've given us and to serve one another. And let us to serve in love. Let that love be sincere. Let it be authentic. Let it, let it be full of passion. 
and let it be humbled. Ultimately, Lord, let us live and breathe and act and react and think just like Christ. To your glory and praise. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. As we sing, you come.